today on Growth Mindset University. That's managing, that's not leadership. Now these people are out of the office, and so now they're just like replicating the bad behavior. That's not how great companies operate. You lead, you don't micromanage. You're listening to Growth Mindset University, educating tomorrow's leaders with lessons from today's entrepreneurial elite. It's a progressive new age of business we find ourselves in, and we'll help you find the success you seek by listening to today's industry professionals and thought leaders teach us the lessons we should have learned in school but didn't. Now, please welcome your host, Jordan Paris. I guess I'm going to call you... Bob Glazer this time around. That's going to say Robert like Glazer, but I'm going to... That's good because then people can look up either episode and find different different people with different yes. personalities. I think I think officially on the title of the last episode together, it's it is Robert Glazer. It's definitely not Bob Glazer, but I, yeah. I I've got I think I've gotten used to calling you Bob in email, and I think I called you Bob in the last episode. Could be. Yeah, I, I, I'm schizophrenic around it, so it's you know it's all good. Anything but Rob. So I'm good with that. Rob, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm here with uh, Bob Glazer, Robert Glazer, uh, wh- whichever you prefer. <laughs> I'm here with uh, I'm here with him. He's back again uh, for his second appearance on Growth Mindset University. Uh, Bob, you've written a book called How to Make Virtual Teams Work: Manage and Empower a Virtual Team That Thrives While Working from Home. And that's really what I wanted to talk about today. I have always had an entirely virtual team. And now it seems everyone is really being thrust into having an entirely virtual team. I think everyone's had to do that at some point over the past, I guess, uh, seven, eight months yeah. since the pandemic. So uh, I, you, you were just telling me you got this book out really quickly. So you wrote it because when did you start writing it? Yeah. So, so I mean, just step back. 10,000 feet. We've, we've been virtual for almost 13 years now. Had gone from being like sort of a pariah or something that we hid. An acceleration partner. Yeah, acceleration partner is my company. Which is? Which is people. a global partner marketing firm. So we manage an affiliate and, and partner marketing mm-hmm. uh, programs for companies. And so so we started virtual out of necessity. And then we all love the flexibility. It wasn't necessarily like people have asked me over a year to speak at these remote conferences and stuff. And you got to remember five years ago, like, is very fringy. It's kind of like, you know, people, nomadic people. And I was like, look, I'm not, I'm not actually that passionate about remote work. I, I believe in flexibility. And that was sort of a byproduct. So, you know, we were always, this was something we did. We figured out a lot of stuff, but you know, we weren't super public about it because we're in this high end client service business and some people are still uncomfortable with it. And yeah. And then man, the world just flipped and everyone's asking me to <laughs> explain to them, you know, cause we want all these, 25 best places to work awards. What is it that we do? So I was throughout March, April, and May, I was giving this uh, talk, a keynote talk remotely. And and I got asked a lot of good questions and I would upgrade the, update the talk. And then people wanted more detail. And I was like, I, I'm not getting into the consulting business with remote work. So I was talking to my publisher and we were just talking about it, it takes too long to get stuff. And this was really helpful now. And I said, I think I, we could get this out of an ebook in 90 days. I could turn this presentation, which has now gone through all this iteration of feedback into a book in 90 days. We could get it out and it would and and it will help people and companies. And and so we did that in 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 90 days. And um yeah, it's been it's it it's been wild. Uh it did it hit a bunch of number ones and uh 
it, it it's not long. I mean, you know, my that tends to be my thing. Like, <laughs> don't don't write more than you have to. Give, give give people what they need, and and you know, you and I were talking about this before the show, but but you know, I had a team do some PR, and I, I was talking with economists this morning, and I mean, I have so many angles, like you know, in how to set up the culture and the people and the whatever. And there's this one little point that actually came from a question that someone had, what spy stuff do you use on your employees? And I, and then I wrote oh, a chapter and I was like, man, I was like, we don't spy, right. but this is the thing that every uh, newspaper writer is working on these days, like employee monitoring and how do you do this? So it's, it's fascinating. I think me. it's so, it's so toxic. Like these, I know somebody who ran a company, which, by the way, no longer exists. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, that he had a remote team, and he, you know, has the the software that like has a bunch of softwares that do this. I don't even know because I don't use them. But you know, it takes every like intermittently Screenshot, yeah. takes screenshots of of what is on the employee's so- computer, which is just so creepy. It's just an invasion. Of, yeah. of privacy, the fact that this software exists is just is 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 un, unnerving. Uh, I well, just, I well, don't in, like that. Yeah, it, it, it's so interesting. So the I, I've heard of that software existing in like Upwork, where you're paying someone to code, and so you're paying them by the hour, and you want to know that they're coding, and you actually want to make sure that they're not stealing it and see the code. So I've actually heard it used in that context. There's also certain industries like where you need where there's financial regulation and otherwise. But the goal in those industries is to actually tell people that you're monitoring this stuff and that compliance is relevant and that you don't want them to violate compliance. Like you actually want to tell them where the electric fence is so that they stay away from the electric fence. The stuff that you're talking about, and I think a lot of the PR is driven by um, these these companies out there with a the spy software, they're out telling these reporters that companies that use this stuff, first of all, I agree, it's toxic. You either you set the culture where you're either monitoring outcomes or you're monitoring keystrokes. And and if you're monitoring them, I, there's a device on Amazon that will move your mouse every like, you know, 20 minutes. Like if it, this is a zero sum game if you're in like <laughs> this cat and mouse yeah. game versus finding people that are good people, trusting them, setting Dude, expectations, setting right. outcomes. So he's he's telling me today, he's like, well, you know, I, I interviewed a couple of these companies selling this stuff. And they told us that, you know, I saw one CEO said it makes people more accountable. And I was like, yeah, that's a load of crap. But he said that they tell them that that productivity is is better when, when this stuff is used. I said, let me ask you, how do they define productivity? <laughs> and I said, I'm guessing they gave you stats about how glued people were to their machine, not like business outcomes. And he's like, you're right. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I, yes, if 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 you're slapping me for not spending time glued to my machine, I stay glued to my machine, moving my mouse. Yeah. That does not make me a better just, employee. It just makes you, people yeah. fear you. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, well, it's also, you got to manage the best this work. stuff. Are you going to log in in the morning and read through all your logs of employees and like I don't what have, they do last night? I don't night? have time like, for yeah. that. I don't have time to look at screenshots. I don't, like, seriously, yeah. it's so stupid. I don't want it. Like, if, it, this is the one thing I say at home. If you're doing something that I don't want to know or see about, do it on a different computer. Like, do me a right. favor. Like, do it on a different computer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So here's what I do to kind of, and I'm not a gigantic company uh i i really don't how many of my employees are official employees versus independent contractors some a lot of them are independent contract long-term independent contractors that i have that that aren't official employees you know so i do something called project costing you know i don't i don't really i don't my i don't pay people by the hour i'm like you know this 
these tasks, like, you know, you do this, this is this is what it's worth to me. I pay you X amount of dollars every single yeah, week. Yeah, I, like, I hate the hourly same, arrangements. Yeah, I, I, I've never, I, I can't, I don't understand hourly. Like, I, I, I just. You get hours. <laughs> I just don't get yeah. why a company would would do that, especially like in an agency like mine, you know, we produce podcasts. I just, cause I actually, so I, I needed help with something. And so I actually started paying someone hourly $20 an hour. And he ended up like, he just took way too much time. He took, I'm like, holy crap. Like what you did for that amount of time. And I got to pay you this much for like, it was the first time I've ever like paid someone hourly, and it was just a. It also dis- feels like, like a clock's disaster. running. I, I, I've been working on something where we've had a couple lawyers involved recently, and it's a complicated uh, business deal. And you know, when two of them jump on the phone, with three, I just I see this clock running in my head. I'm like, mm. talk faster, you know. <laughs> but if they just said, "Hey, this 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 you know contract is 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 ten thousand dollars," I'd be like, "Oh well, if it's a million dollar business deal, ten thousand dollars is 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 no a small price to pay, right?" But yes, yeah. Precisely. So that's, yeah, that's what I've done to get around it. You know, project costing, you know, this is what it's worth to me. This is how much you're getting paid. It is not by the hour. Do you recommend anything else? I I just recommend, so let's think about salespeople, right? I I, I think it's really easy in sales. You do not get on top of Jordan and say, Jordan, you know, Jordan sold hundred thousand dollars yesterday and I go, Jordan, but how many calls did you make? And how many things those are the things that I do when Jordan's not selling, right? So but if the other person's making a hundred calls a day, working eighteen hours and selling ten thousand and you're making five calls and you know and making a hundred thousand, you're gonna get promoted. So I know it's easier in sales, but I think you just design outcome oriented cultures where the goals are clear. There's a there's stats. You know, great organizations have a scoreboard. The stats are on the wall. Here are our goals. Here's everyone's top five. Here's red. Here's green. Yeah, stats and, scoreboard. What are you measuring exactly? You don't. But whatever you measure gets managed. If you measure inputs and butt in time, you know you will get <laughs> inputs and butt in time. I just don't think you'll get better outcomes. So yeah, I would rather reward employee A. You know, even in my business, who just who just knows the right client to call and the right deal to strike. And if they did that in four hours a day and got twice the performance of someone working 16, why do I want to reward the person that's working 16 doing the yeah. wrong stuff? Yeah, exactly, man. You know, I, I, it, I don't even know how many hours like people work. Actually, I asked one of my team members the other day. I was like, uh, I was like, you know, how many hours would you say you work in a week? I mean, she, she gets so much done. I mean. I think it it seems to work out to a very good hourly rate for you, and 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 she told me how many hours she works per week, and it really does work out to a good rate for her. I'm like, oh, that's awesome, <laughs> you yeah. Know? So, well, this is where the worlds collide too. Like again, my business is outcome oriented. I remember years ago, someone's like, well, how about we do podcast booking for you, and we'll do a retainer of call it like a thousand dollars. I'm just gonna do some easy math: thousand dollars a month, and it's a hundred dollars a show, and we'll get you ten. But we won't get you ten every month. Some months might be fourteen, and some might be two. But you'll pay that for six months. I was like, I have an easier idea. I was like, hey, you know what business I'm in? Let's make two lists: A list, B list. I'll pay you a hundred dollars every B list one you book. And I'll pay you $200 every A-list one new book because you're telling me we're trying to get to that anyway. So why are we dancing all around this with time and hours and retainers? Like now I don't give a crap how long they take to do it. (laughs) So funny you mentioned this. One of the brand new ancillary services of my company is guest outreach. Yeah. You know, because a client came to me, 
a podcast client came to me and they're like, I, Jordan, I don't, I, I don't even have time to book people anymore. I was like, cool. I've been thinking about this. Why don't we do, we'll do a trial run with you. You know, we'll, I'll, so for we'll the do show the you're booking guests. You were booking guests for this client's podcast. Yes. And I had thought about it. I, you know, I even raised this to him. I was like, you know, honestly, man, I don't even know how to price it. Like, how would I, you know, would I, um, price per guest? W- w- yeah. W- no, I was like, yeah. do I, you know, do I get a certain amount for booking this class of guests and less for this class of guests? How do you how do you classify them? It, it just feels kind of slimy, and you're like objectifying the person. Yeah. You know, I mean, we've booked, well, it's easier we, to objectify a show than a person because I think a show it's easy to say this is a tier. It's like media placement. This is tier one. This is tier two. This is tier. They're just based on volume, right? Just one on the reality of this remote work. I, I think what's happening with some of this monitoring is you're taking bad cultures with bad micromanagers who were doing this in person every day, like walking by the desk, getting in their business, you know, getting annoyed that they went home at 430. And now because that's managing, that's not leadership. Now these people are out of the office. And so now they're just like replicating the the bad behavior. Like that's not how great companies operate, sure. even who have offices. You you lead, you don't micromanage. Yeah, for certain. I actually want to start from the beginning yeah. with, you know, building a virtual team, the building of it. Yeah. How, you know, not just how to make virtual teams work, but do have you do you have experience in hiring virtual? Yes. Do you have a, a, a list of, you know, some best practices that come to mind there with hiring? So, uh, yeah, that's interesting. A lot of the book is people wouldn't expect is is talks about because I think people have to figure out stuff now and then they're thinking about their long term game. So it talks about the cultural foundation that that you need for remote workforce and the culture and the values and the type of people that will work. So our values are very aligned to the type of people who work well in a more autonomous environment. And we've learned how to test and ask questions on those. I think there's two things that you're looking for. You know, past behavior is a great best predictor of future behavior. So if, if, if Jordan worked, you know, I'm interviewing Jordan and he worked three days, you know, remotely before it's not and loved it. It's not a stretch to think that, you know, he'd do well in five days. The key is most people haven't before. So there are characteristics that we look for, the type of person, you know, the, 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 how they are. Are they, are they more autonomous? Are they self-driven? Do they have aspects? But then there's also lifestyle requirements. Do they, are they an, ath- an athlete who has some or, you know, it could be a cellist or someone who has some practice or routine or something that's important to them? Do they like traveling? Do they have kids that they want to do the pickup where some aspect of that flexibility is like a top thing in their life those are also people that have worked really well you know who doesn't work well the raging extrovert (laughs) you know who just wants to be in an office and talk to people all day like you know they're not going to be happy doing that it's literally not what gives them energy no i'm not saying everyone who works from home is an introvert i'm just talking about the social butterfly like 10 out of 10 on the extrovert scale there those are people now telling you that they literally feel like they're in jail like Mm -hmm. working from home yeah. What are the types of questions that you'll ask in perhaps, I mean, how do you conduct in a virtual interview? Do you do it via Zoom or? We do Zoom. You yeah. know, we, we, we think that in-person is really important for the last interview. So we try to uh, about hubs, but we will do half aptitude and half values and our values. So our values are own it, embrace relationships and excel and improve. Own it has a lot, a lot of characteristics of someone who works well remotely so they they are a team they are a team player but they're 
comfortable making independent decisions. They are a learner. You know, they're going to learn stuff on their own. They don't need this boot pad thing. They don't need consensus decision making on everything. Like this is the type of person who would like that someone's not breathing down them, you know, every day. Um, some people that's really stressful. They actually like want to be told what to do. They want everything to be a discussion. So it's not, it's not just good or bad. I think there are different people mm-hmm. for, for different environments. Sure. And how do you know when, when is the right time to the opposite fire? Yeah. Some people say, Hire slow, fire fast. It's I don't so necessarily agree. True, I, it, I don't know. I, I think it's I so tr- <laughs> it's so true, but it's uh, it's easier said than done. So, sure. I mean, sometimes you can hire uh, fast if you do if you do your work. Um, but I actually think that um, so we have eighty percent of our roles are sort of the same. They're client service delivery roles, and when I mean the same, I mean like we have a training protocol. They come in, we hire a class of people, they go through the same interview. And when you start a class and, and, and so we have the same expectations, same training. If you're hiring a one-off, like a finance person, you might not train them well. You, may, you haven't done that role in five years, but we got 80% fundamentally the same. So we hire a class of five and four come in and are crushing it. And one is just struggling. A lot of times that person gets into a little bit of a death spiral. They, they, you know, they they come in early, they mess stuff up, they lose trust. Mm-hmm. Now people are on them. I actually, and there's a lot of data about what doesn't, I know people might think this is not fair, but what doesn't, the data is really clear that when things don't start well, they don't end well. Okay. And, and so we're more likely in these cases after a month where it is a struggle to say, if this is a, these four other people are crushing it and they have the same training and they have the same interviews, we might've missed something. We might've screwed something up, but if everything for you, our environment is hard, it, it's probably not the right environment. Sure. So about, and about a month is, is really the time that you should be considering. Yeah. I, I hate to say like the Malcolm Gladwell blink, but we can tell in a couple of weeks. We, I, mm. I don't think I've ever, I mean, there have been exceptions. I, we, when someone comes in and crushes it and makes such a positive impression in the first two weeks, that's almost always a sign that they're going to be a superstar. Some people have some bumpy starts and, and recover. And again, it, but, but I'm, I'm talking about like where everything's a disaster from the start. It, it's often not recoverable. And what about Robert, <laughs> Bob? <laughs> Virtual. You can ask either one of my personalities. Yeah. <laughs> I'll answer I'll yeah. answer different ways. Yeah. Virtual training. Yeah. What do you do in in the way of virtual training? So so I think that I actually think that a lot of in-person companies get away with terrible training programs. So mm-hmm. a world-class company, if you've ever been around one, doesn't usually let someone hit their desk until week three. Like the person comes in, they're in training in week one, they're on the, you know, customers, they're learning everything and then they start work. Like it's all done. Ours is scripted like that because it has to be. You know, I've had jobs where I came in and people like, oh, the the companies in person get away with, oh, just go shadow Jennifer. Like they get away with the osmosis stuff of not having a, a training plan. So when our people come in, we can't, they can't be sitting there at their computer with nothing to do. So they have two to three weeks scheduled out hour by hour, all thought through with a training director. And then people are reaching out to them socially. They're connecting throughout it. So you cannot leave this to chance. It is. Yeah. You can't yeah. leave it to chance. In a you, so you have a, you have a training director. Yeah. Is there a point where you did not, 
you were a smaller business and you didn't yeah. have a training director. And what did you do in that case? I, so what happened, the team would train. So when it wasn't more of a class, like you come onto the team and the manager would really dedicate a lot of their week to you. But what we were doing was we were repeating tons of stuff over and over. Eventually, we started recording those things, turning it into classes, putting it in the learning management system. So saying, Jordan, some of this stuff is not live, but we've done it 100 times. So you're going to sit down and you're going to take this class. And so, so that's, yes. yeah, we have, a, we have a really robust learning management system. There are tons of classes and courses and trainings in there. What do you think about, say, taking... You know, if it's a virtual test, something that could be screen recorded, you take a screen recording and then you checklist everything out. You have a screen recording and a checklist with everything step by step. What do you think about that method? Yeah, I think I think anything that is organized and repeatable and leaves the person without any awkward free time. Yeah, Yeah. repeatable is key. I mean, that's that's one of the things that's nice about video. So think about it. If you're in the office, it seems impersonal to put you in a room and replay a video of Jordan training you on X. But but it, to do that same thing 25 times is also doesn't make a lot of sense. So actually, I think it's more normal in the remote environment to, to combine, you know, recorded sessions with, with less live stuff. I see. Now, a live stuff, like for us, a lot of the basic training would be recorded. Then someone would walk through questions and all that stuff that, you know, you join client calls so you could see live fire and see what it looks like. But a three hour training on a software program that we use, like we don't, it doesn't, that does, you know, that we've done a hundred times, you know, you're going to want to turn that into an asset at some point. Yeah. Final question before the final question, three golden rules of making virtual teams work what would you say those are i think i think a couple things and this will be true after the pandemic when people have to decide whether what are they going back to what they were are they going back to something different right i I, you know and and be more intentional so uh, i think the the three golden rules from the company standpoint i'll look at these both is is pick a strategy so hybrid, and then you have to support it. A lot of people are going to default to hybrid because that's the easy answer, but that can create a lot of confusion. Are you supposed to be in the office or out of the office? Like have a strategy, be explicit. I think that's really important from the company side. From the employee side, I think having boundaries. So having an office, having your space, having a wake-up time, having a yes. virtual morning commute where you don't turn on your computer, you have your coffee, yes. you, and, and then you do the same thing at night. I, I, I think the biggest thing we think struggle with is that they're, it just bleeds into their home life. Yes. Let me talk. That was, that was number two, right? That and was number two. I yeah. want to comment on that because something that I've been trying to get better at is like a lot of days I would do so much work in literally my bedroom and now (laughs) now i've i really uh i went through a period um of there's uh it's not an office but it's like a den with like a a projector and everything and there's you know some nice places to sit in there and i like to just lounge in there and do work that's kind of and there's like a couch and and uh some recliners and it's kind of like my office and uh, I try not to have work, let work come out of there. Yeah, it, it is psychologically and, yes, critical. And yeah. and I will signify to myself that the work day is done when if the light is still on and the door is still open in there, I'm not done. Yeah. If the light is off and the door is closed to the room, my brain knows I'm done. And my computer's left in there too. 
you know? So I think that has really helped me. And I, it's, it's so easy when you're working from home to just after dinner, open the computer right or to, the heck take back it to up. bed or leave, oh you leave the God. phone on your night table. And then you look, you roll over at seven <sighs> in the morning, you look at your phone, Ooh, even terrible. if you're not an emergency room doctor, nothing good happened overnight. No one, no, you know, other than some guy telling you had a million dollars in a bank account in some country that he'd like to help you recover. Right. No, nothing, nothing positive happens overnight, but it's also not anything, you know, that, that you need to look at at seven. It'll still be there at, 7 30 it's not life right dangerous yeah i don't understand that either like i haven't slept with my phone in my room for years it's the i mean i i can tell you jordan i i can remember a few nights where i i lost entire night's sleep by looking at my phone before bed and seeing an email seeing a really upset client or something and then you're writing the response in your dream and and again i there was nothing to be done till the morning. It just I knew about it and it and it weighed on me. Surefire way to make yourself miserable. Yeah. Break golden rule number two and have absolutely no boundaries while working yeah. from home. So number three. Number three is I think you need the the infrastructure and the tools. And that's both, you know, your company setting you up with the right tools and systems that are easy to use and, you know, make your life easier. And then, you know, simple things as you know, you on the, on your side. So having a good mic, having a background that doesn't look like your bed being made and, the you know, having a light, like having a decent camera, I think. You are your your home office is a little bit of a mini stage. You know, you are you are on stage and I think presentation is 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 really important. I agree. And there is a lot to be said especially if you're in sales and if you don't have a a a good external microphone if you're just using your desktop microphone in sales i, I really don't know what you're doing I, 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 that's <laughs> these really things cool. are like 30 bucks on amazon i mean <laughs> I know. if you just want the hell you know the airplane pilot one with a boom like it, that's still 90 percent better than mm. trying to use your uh you know computer one yeah and, and something that i need to I, I invest in is um an external camera because you know, I used to have like a Microsoft Surface book and the and the front facing camera was like HD. It was so good. It was 1080p, right? And yeah. this, oh, oh, yeah, you it's, it's a $50 <laughs> yeah. HD camera that's just much better than the one that comes on my computer. So, it, it's crazy. I I bought this, you know, I I my first Mac ever. I would go into the store. I'm like, "Give me your best computer." They give me a $3,000 computer. I got like that all the good stuff, all the stuff with it, all the great the great processor and RAM and everything. The camera on on it is 480p. This well, Mac. Also, Jesus also Christ. If, if you go back to old school cameras, I used to take photography. There's a lot of cool technology in cameras these days, but what's the one thing that makes a camera lens better? I wouldn't know, man. Size. <laughs> so really? diameter, because the amount of light that can get into it. Oh, so fa- okay. faster lenses are, are, have a lot more glass, because, and then they can get more light, and then they can take a, f- a faster shot. So e- even though these things are all great, like a pinhole camera you know, can only let in so much light. So this, this I mean, just looking at this thing on my computer, I mean, it, the lens is four times the diameter mm. of, of, of the built-in one. Yeah. So, it, it, yeah, it, it, it helps. Well, Bob, it's been wonderful to catch up with you yeah. again. And my final question, actually before the final question, is, um, you know, of course, your book, How to Make Virtual Teams Work. Yeah. 
The subtitle is Manage and Empower a Virtual Team that Thrives While Working from Home. People can get that on Amazon. You also have a book that I have here in the physical form called Friday Forward. Yeah. Inspiration and Motivation to End Your Week Stronger Than It Started. 52 Weeks of Inspirational Stories. Uh, and it's, you know, it's from your uh, from your newsletter, your, your very popular newsletter called Friday Forward that you send out every Friday. Very short, very easy to go through. Uh, and uh, I've been, you know, I've been going through some of the stories in here, just super digestible, super, super yeah, simple. Fine. Someone lifting. said to me last week, if you want to do like a book club, you know, everyone's always guilty about reading, like in a team, just be like, read one of the stories and chat about it for five minutes. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Mini book club. Yeah. So how to make virtual teams work and Friday forward by Robert Glazer. Bob, my final question, if you could teach a course at a university course of your creation or otherwise, what would it be? You answered this last time. I don't remember what you said, but uh, I don't remember what I said either. So can I, maybe I change it. Maybe the same. Uh, I, 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 it ties to the first course I'm about to to release. Something I'm really passionate about on on how to discover your personal core values. Bob, thank you. Thanks, Jordan. We've reached the end of this episode of Growth Mindset University. For more keys to success and methods to inspire your entrepreneurial spirit, head to jordanparis.com slash course and enroll in our free course to elevate your podcast to the next level. Be sure to pass the show along to someone you know who will benefit from the lessons learned in each episode and we'll catch you and them on the next episode of Growth Mindset University.